The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. The draft <coughs> has happened. Free agency is just days away. Um, I'm honestly more excited about free agency. Uh, the draft was interesting. It, 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 it took a... As a whole. Yeah, okay. As a whole, I'll give you interesting. As far as local concerns, I think Matthew Poitras has some potential. The, the scouting reports on him are really far apart. Like, from reading the positive scouting reports, I think it sounds like he is the forward version of Matt Grizzlick. Like, they keep talking about his small space work and uh, things like that. And his edge work, he's not he's not the high-level skater that uh, Grizzlick is. Um, but everything else is just bland. Like, he was rated as high as the 40s by, like, FC, FC Hockey and um, Hockey Bob from TSN. Uh, Craig Button had him a little bit lower. Did um, he? But then he was also rated in, like, the 70s and 80s by a couple of sites. Well, Button is the one that ranked him 88th. Um, so getting a read on him is going to be one of those things that I spend a little bit of time doing at, uh, at development camp this week. I will definitely be there Monday and Friday. Um, when as far- you- no, go, go ahead. ahead. I was gonna no. I was gonna say when he was drafted, did anybody use the name David Krejci? <laughs> um, David Krejci, no. Um, yeah, no although the number of times I, I heard Shane Wright compared to Patrice Bergeron was pretty I amusing. It was I believe it was three? Uh, it was at least three. It might have been like four. In barely minutes. Yes. I know I heard it at least once at as he was being drafted. Um, I, and I know I heard that at least two or three times as he as he came off the stage and was talking to other people. And uh, I forget the I forget the person who was interviewing him, but it was it was pretty steady. Uh, probably, probably Emily Kaplan. That that's possible, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, we can't. We could dive. It, it, it was just very weird. I mean, the the top half of the first round was odd to say the least. That Shane Wright fell to number four. I read somewhere that Yuraj Slikovsky was actually the best player in the draft. That's, so him going number one to Montreal wasn't a surprise, but to me, it was. Okay. There's a couple of takes on that. Number one, I mean, we've been hearing about Shane Wright for like four years. Like, he's, we heard about him as far ahead as we heard about Stamkos, maybe further. Um, and I, I lean towards the belief that a lot of the, a lot of the uh, commentators during the during the draft were that his game had just been picked over enough that 
because of the constant the constant long term scouting that it just didn't. Um, It just sort of bit him. Uh, I mean, falling all the way to fourth, <clears throat> particularly where he probably can walk onto that team and be the number one or number two center this year might not be the worst thing to ever happen to him. Um, and I... This was... I will say, and, and Shane Wright is not a part of this, <clears throat> but the ones drafted, the ones that sandwiched him, uh, Logan Cooley at three, and the one that I really wanted, Cutter Gauthier at five, um, are just two of <clears throat> ten picks from the U.S. national development team in the six, top 69 draft picks. Ten of the top 69 were U.S. national development team. It, it was a, it was another good draft for the U.S. NDTP, but, um, and Logan Cooley is another guy who slid a couple of spots. Oh, yeah. He's down to third. Um, I, I said it earlier this year. I don't know that this was a great draft. I think this is one of those drafts where you're going to see a lot of guys who are going to play in someone's middle six for like 12, 15 years. But I don't know that you're going to see. I don't know if you're going to see anyone's name in the Raptors from this draft. Well, if you're Vancouver, you got a double shot of getting a name in the Raptors because they drafted another guy by the name of Elias Pedersen. You might be able to put him in twice. <laughs> so they're going to have a Pedersen on offense and a Pedersen on defense. And the only way you're going to differentiate is size and whatever number they wear on their back. <laughs> well, that assumes that the forward is still there uh, when the defenseman arrives. That's true, Elias. He was taken in the third round, 80th overall this year, Elias Pettersson, depending on which one you're talking about. I just thought it was interesting that we have two Sebastian Ajos in the NHL, and now we have two Elias Petersons in the NHL. And Don't forget the now two Jack Hughes. Oh, yes, yes, two Jack Hughes, of course. I mean, why not have a whole team, you know, with – multiple players with the same name. I would legitimately love to be, uh, to, uh, go to a game or listen to a game where they, where all six of those guys are played. And then I think there's a couple of other duplicate names too, but, uh, last name I'll mention the Bruins did select a kid that is going to throw their play by play guy, Jack Edwards for a tizzy because, they drafted a kid by the name of Jackson Edwards. <laughs> um, and there's also uh, the goaltender that they drafted because Reed Dick. Yes, when you when you need to fill a position because your current best paid goaltender is not your number one goaltender, um, and the position has been leaking bodies uh, for three years, 
uh, you go out and you draft in the sixth round because that's what's appropriate. And that's how you fill it. That's how you address needs. The, th- the thing with Reed, though, I mean, from what I heard on the draft and from the little research that I did after that, he's got a lot of upside. It's whether he can put it all together between his ears, for one thing. Yeah, there was a kid like that uh, on defense in, in development camp last year. The the particular scout that we were that uh, the two of us are ta- thinking of said words to the effect of uh, million dollar body, ten dollar brain, or ten dollar <laughs> work ethic. Ah, uh, yes. Parse it. Is this the is this the one that had a that that, that had a brother went to Boston University, got drafted uh, yeah. by got drafted by the Minnesota Wild. Mm-hmm. The slightly more famous brother, yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying that I'm not saying the kids the next the second coming of of uh, you know Terry Sawchuk or 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 pick a pick a Hall of Fame goaltender. I'm just saying that the fact that they took him, a they if you look at the Bruins goaltending prospects, it's eh because they obviously did the impossible and traded away. Dan Vladar, and now you've got Troy Grosnick, and I guess Kyle Kaiser has a possibility of making it, but who's the other one? Callum Booth? Not sure on him. I'm not not sure he's still in the system. Yeah, so you take it, you you draft this kid who's got some serious upside. You're not obviously not going to expect him to be jumping into the starting role tomorrow, but if you get him in Providence and, and I'm not sure what the rules are for him, whether he can stay where he is currently. I don't know how the rules work. OHL, CHL, WHL. OHL, they, I think this year, if he's under 19, he has to either jump to the NHL or go back to the uh, go back to juniors. Okay. So you hope that he can get you hope that he can get his head straight. Uh as far as hockey is concerned and, and, you know, positioning and this and that, because he was, from what they said at the draft, he was best goaltender at the Futures Prospect game. And then when he went back to Team Canada, he was less than stellar. I mean, the team itself was less than stellar, but he didn't help matters. So it's like, which one are we getting? You know, are we getting the kid that can be phenomenal athletically and and stop everything or are we getting the one that kind of checked out during you know team canada events so that's what needs to be figured out but and you know what at 18 or 19 i'm gonna forgive a lot in terms of spaciness given everything that's been going on in the last yeah well he's but he's 18 and a half right now he was born he's a january 04 so it is what it is. I mean, numbers aren't stellar, but also 18. I mean, so where do we go from here, or is there more draft we need to talk about? I mean, I, I, I can talk. I can talk draft all day, but I can. <laughs> I I found the trades at the draft really interesting. Uh, okay. I, I mean, Chicago entered the draft with basically not much for picks. They ended up leaving with 11 picks and having moved out a couple of different players. 
Um, they moved out. Yeah. Georgiev. Oh, you're talking about the Rangers. They moved out to Brinkett. I was going to say, you're talking about Chicago. They moved out a lot of offense. They moved out to Brinkett. They moved out Doc. Uh, Kirby Doc is a very big controversial player. Big. There are are guys who, there are people who think that he was drafted in exactly the right place and that there's a failure in the, a failure in the Chicago system for him to thrive. Now he had that serious injury last year. Um, not the, not the 2021 season, but, uh, the The 2020, I'm sorry. It was the 2021 season when he broke his wrist and he was out for ever the yeah. last few months. Um, he only played in 70 games this season. So okay. despite three years in Chicago, he's really not had a full season yet. Um, I can understand why people would be down on him. But I also just look at the raw package and say, I was going to say, are they down on him? Because I think the kid, I'd, I'd take him in Boston. I would, as I said, I would take him, but there are people who think that, you know, his 26 points in 70 games this season is all he's ever going to do. Okay. And outside of Patrick Kane, did anybody really do on end to break it? Did anybody really do anything with Chicago? Uh, Seth Jones put up 51 points in 78 games. Um, Dylan Strom had 22, 26, and 48 numbers in 69 games. Okay. Beyond uh, Hagel had a great year, partly there and partly in Tampa. Uh, but beyond that, no, that team was uh, the opposite of good, which is hilarious because they were in it in the West for a while. Yes, considering the way that organization was heading, and, and unfortunately, uh, Captain Sirius was struggling. Oh, I, I mean, mean, it was his first hockey in two years, essentially. Oh no, I'm not making. I'm not trying to. I'm not saying he's bad. I'm not you know, not making excuses either. But yeah, he was struggling, especially at the beginning of the year. It took him like over 20 games to get his first goal. Uh, Patrick Kane, though, is still completely ridiculous. And and I'm starting, even though he had he has won his cups and he shouldn't have anything. He's won cups. He's won the Calder. He's won the Art Ross, the Hart, the Ted Lindsay. And he should go to another original 16. <sighs> well, Chicago, uh, Chicago is always looking for. I mean, Toronto is always looking for more offense. Maybe they can. Uh, yeah, that's maybe exactly. They can work it's exactly who I was talking about. Okay. <laughs> or the Rangers, maybe? I think they have more cap space. Actually, that's that's one of the teams that's rumored to get him. I don't know that he'd be a fit there. Or actually, that's not that's not right. I don't know that he's the right addition there. Mm-hmm. As great as he is at playing in the clutch, I don't know. Something about it just feels wrong to me. It, it's like you're adding a little bit too much of the same thing. Because yeah. like him and Panarin are basically the same size. And they played together already in Chicago. Um, 
Zabinajad and Kreider are both kind of streaky. And I'm a huge Zabinajad fan. Have been forever. I know. Um, it just feels like... We all have our faults. I, I wouldn't do it. Like... If you're if I'm sitting in the GM's office with the Rangers, I couldn't pull the trigger on that one. Not just because you'd have to give up a lot to get Kane still. Um, not just because of the cap hit for Kane. I don't know that Chris Drury makes the move anyway. I'm just saying that he that the, the Rangers were actually one of the teams that were rumored as far as Kane heading somewhere. I don't know where he's actually going to land. Probably in Chicago. I was going to say, probably stays right there in Chicago. Um, But, uh, so, Kirby Doc up to the Senators. Interesting. I mean, you know what? Young guy going to a young team with a lot of good young talent. I think that he can flourish there. And he's really out of the spotlight. I mean, it may be Canada's capital, but Wait it's... Did, did Doc go to Ottawa or was it to bring it? One went to Ottawa, one went to Montreal. Is that Oh, I'm sorry. Kirby Doc went to Montreal. I, okay, I, I was going to say. Just fried today. That's all right. Um, went, but, and and to bring it is, again, he could flourish in Ottawa, too, with all the young scoring they have up there. Uh, Brinkett's probably got the be- got the best trade for him. Uh, unless, of course, he wants like super big city lifestyle, in which case he's mm, not in the right place. But for Kirby Doc, even going to Montreal isn't bad for him because very young players. I mean, him, Nick Suzuki, uh, that's that all by itself could be a really fun combination to watch if yes. they end up playing on the same line. Um Add in hope, a hopefully healthy Gallagher. Um, you've got Josh Anderson. Uh, you've got Jake Evans and Cole Caulfield. If some combination of those six players aren't your top six and most of your top six, uh, you're probably doing something wrong. Um, and Mr. Hughes and Mr. Lewis probably need to have some serious conversations uh, with themselves and possibly a therapist. Because um, that's a lot of potential. And why I like it for Kirby Doc, just like in Boston with being a defenseman, in Montreal, if you're not the goaltender, it almost doesn't matter how good you are as long as you don't completely suck. <laughs> because goaltenders are going to get 60% of the attention from the media and the fans in that market. And then there's everyone else. Like, unless you're legitimately own goaling three times a season up there as a forward or defenseman, are. you're not, you're just not going to get the negative press for being a below average player. They have a passionate fan base in Montreal. I will say that for them. Uh, that you would in other cities. Um, and the, and Montreal still has some 
They still have some work to do. They've got 11 forwards signed and only a million in cap space or just under 2 million cap space. Uh, I'm sure one or two players are due back on the injured reserve and all of the Jeff Petrie trade rumors have been swirling for six months. Mm -hmm. Uh, But they do have to sign Kirby Doc unless they're just planning to not tender him and let him walk which seems counterproductive. I think they're going to sign him. I don't think they <laughs> Yeah. I don't think you bring in somebody young with that much upside and, and talent and not do anything about it. That That's just foolishness, in which case, again, it, who is it up there? Kent Hughes, the former agent. Kent Hughes, GM. who... Yeah, he, that, that I, could be a resume-generating event. See, I, I started... I'm surprised that they didn't take Shane Wright when he was available. Well, they took uh, number one overall, and they went with who they thought was the best player in the draft, in, in, Slaka- in Slakowski, and I can't say his name. I'm sure I'm butchering it. but They did, but I don't know if I agree with them. I have not read every single scouting report. No, I haven't. I to be consistently on the arc for the top of the draft for four years it means he's doing the work pretty much every single day, whether there's a scout in the building or not. And that to me means something. Uh, I mean, we've seen guys who have, who have these draft year surges and then completely disappear. Do I, do I think that that's going to be the case with uh, Sarkovsky? Almost certainly not. Um, drafting is better than it was even 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. I, for me, I'll take the consistent high-level output, input, effort, and warm regard of teammates, coaches, opponents uh, over a single year of climbing expectations. Okay. I get, I, I don't know. Montre- I think Montreal did a decent job at this year's draft and acquiring Doc on top of that. I mean, they've done all right for themselves. I think that both he and uh, Mike Greer as first with their first years at the draft did Somewhat bold things. Um, I'm also surprised that, I mean, New Jersey has a couple of centers, so that one's less surprising that they went with Nemec over either Cooley or Wright. Mm -hmm. Um, But Arizona, even Arizona going with Cooley, even with his local ties, eh. I don't hate the trade. Ashley Cooley is from Pennsylvania. Um, he, I think something, someone said he had some sort of ties down there, but I can't remember what they were. Um, and of course, Ron Francis finally made the best move of his administration. Yeah. Well, Ron Francis faced a resume generating event if he didn't draft Shane Wright at number four. I, this to me feels a lot like the Seth Jones draft. 
it, it was a little bit like that. That's I, I was trying to figure out where to compare this one. And yeah, I get Seth Jones falling down the third is just like why? I mean, I guess he in, in fourth too in thirteen. It was fourth. Okay. In that case, it was Colorado. Florida. Colorado, but Colorado that year took Nathan McKinnon, did they not? Yeah, that I mean that one was a no. That one was more than acceptable. Like it was, those two were pretty close. But Barkov, you can make you can make an argument that Seth Jones has had a as big an impact. Jonathan Druin being taken ahead of Seth Jones now looks hysterical. That's who, okay, yeah. Out of the four, Jones has played the most games. He's got twenty more games in than McKinnon, and. 80 more games in than Barkov in about the same amount of time. Um, and if you look at the rest of the top 10 from that draft, there's, if you're redrafting 2013 right now, there is no way Seth Jones falls below three. And uh, probably not below two. I, yeah, I can't put him below two. If you want to take Nathan McKinnon first and Seth, I was going to say, I was going to say, it's a fight between McKinnon or Jones. Which one is a bigger need at that point? But, um, because the only two guys in terms of points who are at immediately after McKinnon for points are Barkov, Monahan, and Elias Lindholm. I like Elias Lindholm. I'm a big fan of Sean Monahan. Pretty sure most days I'm not taking them over Seth Jones. If I have a need at both positions, I'm probably taking Jones. And Barkov. No. Just say it. No. I'm not taking him over Jones. No. As good as he is in terms of. uh, As good as he is offensively. I do not see him as the type of guy who can control the pace of a game. And then when you look at his scoring over his career, he's got some interesting peaks and valleys. 2018, or let's see, 16-17 season, 61 games, 21 goals. Next season, 79 games, 27 goals. Then 82, 35, then 66, only 20 goals. That is definitely a point, a goals per game drop. Then he has a 26 goal in 50 in 50 game season. And then last year, 39 goals in 67 games. Uh, So both health wise and general consistency, I'm yeah, uh, I'm very comfortable taking. Jones over over Barkov, which isn't to say that Barkov is a terrible player. Um, but oh yeah, we probably should redraft thirteen at some point. I think we've talked about it in the past, but mm-hmm. um, because I mean, Darnell Nurse was taken seventh in that draft. Uh, Anthony Duclair was taken 80th. I suspect he's going to climb in. I know he's going to climb into the top of the half of the or top round. 
Um, it might be harder to fill out the bottom 15 of that draft, redraft, than to fill out the first five. Okay. So, just to bring us back to the current draft and the current, current draft, actual and, topic, and the, and the current topic of trades, because yeah, Kirby Doc going. I'm I'm looking at an Abby Mastraco post uh, Bleacher Report. Yeah. Uh, 2022 NHL Draft grading the biggest trades made on day one. And Kirby, it was. To bring it to, so she has to bring it to the Ottawa Senators for numbers seven and thirty-nine picks. Yep. And at the and a twenty twenty-four third round, she gave the Blackhawks a trade grade of D. Obviously, she gave the Ottawa Senators higher. It was a B. But under the Blackhawks, it says this doesn't seem like a rebuild anymore. It feels more like a tank. First sentence right out of the box. One of the things that one of the most interesting things that was said that I haven't heard remarked upon anywhere else is that next year's draft is supposed to be really strong. So if it is a tank, bravo. Then you got Canadians trade Romanov in the 98 pick to the Islanders. Blackhawks trade Kirby Doc to the Canadians for 13 and 66. Canadians got a B. Islanders got a D. And the Blackhawks, again, get a D. It's rare for teams to give up on first-round picks this soon, especially ones drafted as high as Doc. But we already know what the Hawks are doing, and if you're going to rebuild, then you do it through the draft. So she once again references that it's a tank. (laughs) But if you're calling, if you know what they're doing, and you think it's the right path, why is the grade so low? Because they didn't get they didn't. Uh, my guess is that they didn't get talent back. They traded out first round pick talent. But they're not aiming for talent. They're aiming for futures. But they got picks this year. Yeah, this, and they, they didn't did leave a decent haul of players. And they did have eleven picks this season. But if they're picking for this season and they're going to try and and out tank. The Sabres or the Red Wings or whoever. Oh, I, I, you can't say that the Sabres are even. I don't even know if you can say that uh, Phoenix or the Coyotes are tanking or, this year. Or Coyotes. I mean, if you're trying to out tank everybody, okay, then you take all these kids that you just drafted, you sign them to entry levels or two ways or whatever, you put them on the ice and hope for the best. And then they turned around and traded and acquired Peter Morozik from Toronto along with a first-round pick. Now, this pick, the pick that they got. Well, as far as next season goes, yeah, or next year, they have two picks in each of the first three rounds. Uh, the Blackhawks do. They have mm-hmm. their own, and um, well, they have, have their to. own and Tampa Bay's. In the first tra- next year, they're going to trade Tampa Hayes and Kane. In the second round, and their own in Dallas is in the third round. Dallas will be nice and high because I can't see that team mustering a playoff effort. I just I 
I don't. If they really are going for the tank, then they better hope that next year is the the draft that it's rumored to be. Because Eisenman start Eisenman's thinking that he's starting to come out of his rebuild. He's got his youngsters. He's adding to them. Uh, he still thinks that they've got work to do, but he thinks that they're actually starting to come out of it. Ottawa, well, Pierre Dorian said last year, before last season, that the rebuild was over. Might have been a little premature in that statement, but they're closer to out of the rebuild than they are in it. They're certainly not at the beginning of the rebuild, no. Right. I mean, for the for the Blackhawks, if this is the year you're going to tank, you're trading Patrick, hopefully trading Patrick Kane, who has just next year left on his contract. Although, based on his production, he's probably going to play another three or four years. Mm-hmm. Um, he's certainly been healthy enough, uh, and he's only 33 at this point, so... But you got to trade Taze, too. You don't have to trade Taze, because no one's taking Taze with that contract. I didn't say that they weren't going to have to eat half of it, but... Um, And they are going to have to eat half of it. Assuming you can get Kane to waive his no-movement clause, you're still going to get probably two first-round picks... And a prospect for Kane without a sign-and-trade deal. Well, we can because give them we, we can give them a player off the roster and, and Jake DeBrusque, who, by the way, has rescinded his trade request. I saw that, I heard that, and I was so not surprised. <laughs> oh, what, once, the, uh, once there was a new coach in town? <laughs> Um, yes, because look <laughs> that's at exactly that's exactly when the rescinded that's exactly when the rescind statement came out was right after Montgomery was hired. All of a sudden, DeBrusque was like, yeah, I don't want to be traded anymore. <laughs> but look at the young players who left here and did better. We talked about it like twice over the course of the season. Yeah. Sagan, one of the yeah, I mean, not necessarily this year, but overall, he's had quite a, a decent career in, in Dallas. Well, not Sagan's irrelevant. He was he was here with uh, yeah Julian. Mm-hmm. But uh, you look at Heinen, you look at um, Donato, you look at two or three of the other youngsters who passed under the thirteen year AHL uh, coach. Yeah, just saying. No, I understand. I'm just saying. So, no, not a surprise that he decided he wanted to rescind it. But if it means if it if it means acquiring somebody of Kane's talent, do you move DeBrus I mean, and whatever else you can afford to give up? There's no configuration where where Kane lay, lands in Boston without Chicago eating at least two and a half million of his cap. And I don't see that happening because the Bruins don't have the, the draft assets to get it done. Now a team that desperately needs to fill seats has 
over thirty million in cap space. Arizona has has not only their first round picks for the next three years, but three second round picks next year. Um, build seats. San Jose. No, because they 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 took a hit over the in in attendance over the last few years. Uh, yes, they did, but not as bad as a uh, team that Patrick Kane is a little bit more familiar with. Where are you trading Patrick to? Assume, again, assuming you could get him to trade to waive the no trade. It, Buffalo Sabres, hometown team, all the cap space that, in the world. That would be the hometown team would have to be a big selling point because they're not coming as much as and, Chris, and yeah. Power play unit number one. Okay. Tage Is, Thompson. Yeah. Patrick Kane. Yeah. Jeff Skinner. Mm-hmm. Alex Tuck. Mm-hmm. And Rasmus Dallin. Okay, that's great. So we, we make sure <laughs> that the other team have best power play in the division. We make sure that the other team gets twenty penalties a game because other than that, they don't have much. They drafted Shane Wright. The first thing they did, I'm sorry, they drafted um, Buffalo. Who did they? They picked up a center. The first thing they did was, oh, Matthew Savoy. And the first thing they did was start saying, well, you know, with Eichel gone, they had to bring in a center. This kid's life is about to turn into a, a nightmare. Because he has n- not if he's playing with Patrick Kane. He has no chance. Not if he's playing with Patrick Kane. Jack Eichel's shadow still looms large in Buffalo. Yes, could Kane go there? Sure, hometown. It, it is your hometown guy. Come back and finish your finish your career in your hometown. You know, we'll put some decent youngsters around you. We might not make the playoffs, or we might just scrape into the first round. But don't expect that we're going to be contending for a cup. Yes, he has three of them, so maybe that's not a selling point either. But, I mean, hockey players are competitive. They want to win Stanley oh, yeah. Cups. And they've got that Owen Power kid you like, too. Well, yeah, Owen Power did come out of Michigan. You know, when you have four of the top five spots in a draft come out of the same college. Just saying. I, I I like where Buffalo's headed. I just I don't and they have the cap, they have the the capital, the dra- the 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 trade capital, but I don't know if hometown and bunch of youngsters is enough to lure him home. And for the young players though, particularly like Matt Savoy, if Patrick Kane is there, one, everyone forgets who Jack Eichel is. People will literally lose their uh, defecation for like eight days ordering jerseys, T-shirts, socks, whatever, with Patrick Kane's name on them. And <laughs> They'd have the to press, rename Buffalo. The press aren't even going to talk to anyone else if Patrick Kane is in the locker room. Like, you might get if you get a hat trick you might get some attention 
if you draw if you if you have a penalty where you pretty much impale someone on your stick, mm-hmm. you might get someone to talk to you. So yeah, all of the pressure would be off of Savoy. All of the pressure would I, be off of. I don't think. Uh, Almost the entire rest of the roster, even Jeff Skinner. Jeff Skinner's been there for like four or five years now and not really produced very much. And he's still got four four years out left on his contract after this year. He might be even he might be the happiest guy to see Patrick Kane come. Next thing you're going to tell me is that if Kane goes there, then then uh, Taylor Hall is going to want to rescind his trade to Boston. Mm, probably one too many top wingers uh, for a team, but <laughs> I don't especially, know. I, especially with all the rumors and theoretical discussions and sightings of uh, David Krejci in Boston. Oh goodness, we're not. Look, I, they were pictures all over Twitter of his kids climbing all over the Bobby Orr statue. Great. So he's on vacation and he decided to be a tourist in the town where he played hockey and never got a chance to actually see it. Uh, I'm pretty certain he got a chance to actually see it. As a as a as just a, a guy. No one knew vacation. Who he was the first four years he was here. Yeah, but you're still a little busy, you know, learning things and figuring things out. And yeah. I don't know. I don't buy. I don't think I buy that one. But I mean, the whole David Pasternak just smiling when he was asked if David Krejci coming back. Uh, you're bit. buying into this. You're scaring me because you and I were the ones that were convinced. This, you didn't know. say I was buying into it. I'm okay. Pointing it sounds out. like it. I'm pointing out what people might be using for evidence. It sounds it sounds like you were buying in. I don't know. It sounds more like you're in denial about your position. In denial. I've been saying all along that the man said no. Well, his agent said no. He said no about last season. He didn't say no for never. He didn't say, I'm never playing in the NHL again. He said, I'm not coming back to Boston this year. That's a different thing. Okay. Well, they still have to worry about David. Yes, he has nothing. You you need to get, if you're not going to do anything with him, you need to trade him. You got Bergie, who, until they actually... And I said, until I actually see his name on on a contract, but they're probably not going to show me the contract. So until I see him on the ice wearing a Bruins jersey, sweater, whatever you want to call it. And as far as Krejci goes, is it still just, well, we saw him in Boston. I mean, is there anything solid on that? It's solid on what part? On Krejci returning to the Bruins to play hockey? I haven't seen a contract announced. I mean. (laughs) Would I rather see Nazem Kadri come to town? Yeah, I would. Okay, then. Thank you very much. (laughs) But I've been talking about Nazem Kadri for three years before you admit he was a good player. I'm not. That's not. What I'm arguing right now, what I'm saying is, would, do you want Krejci back or would you rather have Nazem Kadri? I think right now I'd rather have Nazem Kadri. 
Which one do I think is more likely to land in Boston, though? Probably Krejci. I mean, there's so many players. They need a second-line center, regardless of... Yes, you need Bergeron to come back and be your 1C until you can either find one in your arm system, which Mm -hmm. I almost... No. I almost laughed out loud. Um, Unless it's Mr. Savoy, who's going to come into dev, into dev camp uh, tomorrow. You mean Poitras? Savoy's Poitras, sorry. <laughs> Mr. Poitras, come into dev camp tomorrow and literally blow the socks off of every single scout, member of management, and coach. Um, yeah, uh, I don't. I don't see anyone else in the system making that leap. Right, so you gotta get, but you gotta get Bergie's name on a deal. Well, you either have to get Bergie's name on a deal, or you just go ahead and tank. I was gonna say, oh, you're following Chicago's lead. Because if you want to go ahead and tank, you just don't ever declare McAvoy and Grizzly healthy until like after Christmas, <laughs> and. Then you trade them because neither one of them has a no trade clause. You get them back in for like 12 games and then you trade one or both. No, they can't. I mean, if you trade, if you trade McAvoy, you're getting at least one first round pick at this point. Can't trade Grizzly. You trade Grizzly, you're getting at least one second round pick at this point. Still can't trade Grizzly. Although that would be, although getting a, getting a second round pick for what was he? Fourth, fifth round? Yeah. Is not a bad upswing, but still. If you trade Pasternak at this point, uh, particularly with a sign and trade, you're getting. You better be getting multiple first round picks. You should be getting two firsts and a second. Two firsts and a roster player. Yeah. Two firsts, maybe two young prospects, something like that. Um, Bradley has a no trade clause, but I believe that's a modified no trade with only, yeah, there's only a limited number of teams. You have to, you have to keep something around to actually have people coming into the building. If you trade away, but you've got all local guys. I mean, once you fill it up, once you have the 5,000 relatives from them, they really don't need to sell many seats. I mean, you'd still have Charlie Coyle, who is rumored to be from East Weymouth. Uh, I heard that once. Confirmed. <laughs> I heard that once. Not Weymouth, uh, East got, Weymouth. You've got Chris Wagner, uh, Walpole's finest. Walpole, yep. Mark McLaughlin, uh, Bill Ricca. Yep. Matt Grizzlick, like I said, you can't trade him. And now you really can't trade him because he's from Charlestown. Um... Don't worry. There's at least three other local kids in the in the system uh, yeah, that can be. There's no local goalies though. They'd have to keep Swayman. They'd have to keep Swayman to keep from being relegated. <laughs> do we have relegation in this country? I know they do that in soccer in Europe, but. Um. No. Otherwise, Edmonton would have been relegated in the mid uh, in the early 2000s and never would have found their way back to the NHL. <laughs> Ouch, I said that out loud. Um, 
one of the really interesting things about the draft was not just Urej uh, Slavskowski being drafted first, but for the only the second time, two non-North Americans were drafted uh, at the top of the draft. Uh, the first time, obviously, being Ovechkin and Malkin. Um, so is this the first time two Slovaks went number one and two? Well, yes, because it's also the first time that Slovak went number one. Um, I think the previous high was six, somewhere around there. Um, mm. And then you ended up with the most Slovaks in any given round because you had Mezargo 26th, uh, which is interesting or is even more interesting because Mazar went to the Montreal Canadiens as well. Um, and there's, if you look over on the Habs Reddit page and you can find a, a screenshot of it elsewhere, there's uh, quotes from uh, Zlowski saying how I he heard his name or half heard his name, didn't hear anything. Suddenly he's off stage and a man's approaching him saying, oh, we drafted your friend too. And uh, the friend being Philip Mazar, the two of them have been really close friends forever. And the genuinely exuberant hug uh, that they give each other um, was, it was really nice to see. I'm just like, pure nice joy. I mean, you watch the video. It's nice to see all three of them, even though one has a New Jersey Devils Jersey. hat on. Yeah. But it, it, it's nice to see the camaraderie there. And, and, Hey, if having your best bud on the team pushes you to do that much better, then Mazar and Slavkovsky, I will get it right one of these days. Well, it's not just the push. It's the comfort. Like, having at least one person who you know understands you when you move to a completely different country and attempt to learn a completely new language just so you can get around. Yeah. Um, play in a new system, new coach. And this, of course, assumes that they both make the team in the same year. Um, Montreal is not the deepest team, so it's entirely possible both of them could make it this year or both of them could make it next year. Um, but just it's just one of those really feel-good things. Mm-hmm. Um, just like the uh, goalie hug from uh, for the Bruins, <laughs> Swayman or, and Olmark. But like the three, these three guys are clearly like as close as brothers, closer than a lot of brothers. Um, and it just none of them can wipe the silly grins off their faces. <laughs> it's actually kind of cute. <laughs> really. They just look like they're – they look more like they're eight-year-olds who haven't seen each other in six weeks than mm-hmm. 18-year-olds who haven't seen each other in four hours. <laughs> um, somebody, somebody commented, trade for Nemec? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> well, sure. If you want to swap out Nemec. Suzuki for Nemec or – actually, no. They need a defenseman. I don't think you're going to swap Petri for him. Yeah, I don't see that one working. Sorry, Montreal. But if you bring the three musketeers onto the team. 
I think if you brought the three of them onto the team, it would be it could be fantastic. But it <sighs> there's also the potential for serious burnout because you know if two of them start having a bad week and manage to drag the other one down, or all three of them get off to bad starts, you're it, the three of them are just going to form a feedback loop. Uh, it could be great. It could be terrible. Yeah, I I could see that. And on a completely unrelated and non no need to comment, Logan Mayu has been invited to Montreal De- Montreal Dev Camp. Um. Yep. He did say. I mean, he did say he wasn't coming to North America last year. Um, I'm just not, saying he was invited. Didn't need a comment. <laughs> not surprised he's been invited. I, I I expect unless he's actually flat out given up hockey that he'll be uh, that he'll be in town. Yeah. Um, yeah. On the giving up hockey, uh, there are persistent rumors that Duncan Keith is retiring. Are they rumors? Or are they? Is it? Fact, because one thing I read says reportedly, the next one says he is, then one says rumored to be, then one says reportedly. It's like somebody says persistent rumors. Okay, I'll take that for now. Um, If he does retire, the Chicago Blackhawks get hit with a cap recapture penalty. Yes, but apparently they're not concerned about it because they don't plan on spending to the cap anyway this year. So it's not I mean, it's not that big a deal for them, but I don't know how you end up responsible for the cap hit of a player who's not in your system anymore. Uh, I had something to do with 2013 and front front loaded contracts and blah, blah, blah. Once you trade a player, unless you retain a portion of the salary, I don't know how you're responsible. For I, un- I get that. I didn't I, write the rules. I just follow them. <laughs> those, uh, those pesky CBA rules. Damn it. <laughs> and this is why the, and this is why there are assistant general managers or someone at every franchise directly responsible for learning every line of the CBA. Yes, and and then somehow also learning how to navigate the cap. But usually that person has or is in the process of pulling all their hair out. You know, if I got pulling assigned out, pulling that out job, their eyebrows. <laughs> if I got assigned that job at a team, I would legitimately just shave my head immediately because exactly. yeah, it, it would be. I feel bad for the person whose job it is to do that because, yes, they need to just shave. Gone. <laughs> I don't understand it. I don't understand it either. I think it, it, it sucks for Chicago. Like I said, again, reportedly, the article that I read, it was only reportedly he was going to retire. Oh, Cap friendly hasn't gone. Um, no. And it's only one year. No, it's two years. This year, the this year the recapture penalty would well, be five. Only one year of salary that's going to that's going to cause the hit. Oh, okay. <sighs> but they get two years of recapture because apparently in twenty three twenty four they get they get hit with one point nine million penalty. 
Yeah, and the amazing part about it is that there's that his salary for the year would have only been one point five million. So yes, this contract was front loaded. I don't know. It's CBA math. Don't. Yes. It's worse. It's worse than trying to figure out like toilet paper math at the supermarket. One one plus one in this case does not equal two. It equals like seventeen. No, uh, subtracting one and a half apparently equals adding five point five this year. And one point nine the year after. Yes. <laughs> so there's your, there's your homework for the day, listeners. You need to figure out how that math works. They clearly they hired Scott Steiner to uh, put together CBA math. very good possibility i hadn't gone there okay (laughs) um the new jersey devils made some news uh this week by adding uh a a new just assistant general manager Mm -hmm. uh kate madigan is the first female um assistant general manager in franchise history the sixth in nhl history um she is on twitter uh, she's, uh, let's see. She is now in North, uh, she's a Northeastern supporter. Um, from everything that I saw, cause I did see an interview with her somewhere over the last couple of days. Seems like she's knows what she's doing. Certainly, certainly speaks comfortably. um, and I, I'm really curious to see what uh, which one of these um, which one of these women is going to be the first to become a general manager of the league. That would be the next. That would be the next the next step the next tier that the, yeah. It's it's a very good thing from what I understand from what I've read. Yeah, she's very very knowledgeable. Uh, I think that this is a great move. And who's down? Who's the GM right now over there? Is it is it Fletcher or is it Shero still? You're the one with the who's always had the list. How do you not know? Because the list has changed. Tom Fitzgerald, yes. Oh, that's right, Fitzy from Fritzy from Bill Ricca. I for, I forgot that Cheryl's out and Fitzy's in. And I do I do get surprised with the fact that they're bringing in goaltenders when they when they've got Mackenzie Blackwood. But so I didn't quite understand that move. But. I, I think it's a good move for New Jersey. They, they they're going in the right direction. They've got a lot of good young players. Uh, Hughes is they're hoping to build uh, down the middle with Hughes and Heeshear, and then they they drafted Nemich this year. I mean, good looking team. I think if they can build up from you know from the blue line backwards and make sure that Blackwood has a little bit more protection, I think he's a decent goaltender if he can stay healthy. Absolutely. And she's been with the Devils organization for a couple of years. Oh, well, um, there you this go. is a promotion from uh, executive director of hockey management and operations. She'd been in that role since the fall of, tw- of 2020. 
She previously served as the assistant player uh, of information slash video uh, so for is- two seasons. Um, and she was the director of pro scouting operations for two seasons. Uh, promotion slash we're going to add more work to your plate. <laughs> hey, you know what the reward for a job well done is? Uh, more work. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Congratulations, Kate. Seriously, it's, it's it's a really it's a really good thing. Um, I, uh, I I kind of hope that she's a little bit more vocal about hockey than her Twitter uh, profile seems to suggest she'll be. Oh, really? Um, not that she's never tweets about hockey, but um, it, it would be interesting to see. I want to hear, I would like to hear some of her takes on situations. Uh, hopefully the press will interview her whenever she appears uh, in a locker room or in the press room. Um, what else we get on the board today? Uh, well, since we're talking GMs and, and assistant GMs and, uh, San Jose has also hired themselves a GM after what was it? Eight months. Well, yeah, no, Tom Wilson. Yeah. November. So about seven, eight months, Tom Wilson had to step aside due to an undisclosed illness. Uh, what was his name? Jim Hill. Some, uh, it was Mr. Hill. Anyway, uh, was the uh, acting GM, and then Wilson did finally announce his retirement back in April, and here we are a couple of months later, and they finally named themselves a GM. Uh, those of you who follow Boston University might recognize this man. Uh, Mr. Mike Greer will be taking the reins. Mike Greer, of course, uh, play, started his NHL career with the Edmonton Oilers, played several seasons there. Um, on to two other teams, I want to say. Um, no, three other teams, Washington, Buffalo, San Jose, and then a second, uh, second run through Buffalo, mm-hmm. just over a thousand NHL games. Nice. I mean, you want to talk about a fam- a sports family. His brother, Chris serves in the same role for the Miami Dolphins football team. And he can get a championship first. And his dad, their dad, well, their dad beat all of them because he was he worked as a scout and whatnot for the New England Patriots. And they've already won championships. So I think dad wins at this point. Mm, he wasn't the general manager, though. This is very true. Uh, but Greer also <laughs> played World Junior Tournament back in 1995. Assistant general man or assistant coach for uh, the New Jersey Devils at one point uh, back in 1819 and 1920. Um, he spent some time coaching his son's uh, Boston Terriers AAA team, um, high school hockey. Uh, he's coached high school or high school hockey as well, and spent some time working for the New York Rangers. Uh, operations as an advisor. Um, I, I, I think this is going to be a really, really interesting pick uh, as I, general manager. I I think the thing that impresses me most about it, I mean, the work ethic is obvious. I mean, you look at the family lineage and the dad being what he's done for the Patriots and his brother doing the same job. So the work ethic is there. But I think what impresses me most is he went from 
being an offensive threat as a nine-year-old. Apparently, he was listed in Sports Illustrated. Uh, they do a ones to watch, at like a back page type of thing, or in the middle of the magazine. Yeah. I can't remember where they put it, but it's usually young players. And he was on the one to watch page as a nine-year-old because apparently, in two seasons, he scored 227 goals. Yeah, he's <laughs> Mike Greer was never a small guy. Um, he, couldn't, he couldn't play Pop Warner because he couldn't stay under the 120-pound weight limit. He wanted to stay in Pop Warner, but he couldn't, so he stayed with hockey because they didn't have the requirements that the Pop Warner did. But it, it, it's when he got to BU, and he's a walk-on, and they tell him, and as you correctly inform me, they probably say it to a lot of walk-ons, but he's told that you know, not to expect much. He's probably not going to make the squad. So he busts his ass. He makes the team. He plays for three years. They win a national championship. He's a Hobie Baker finalist. I mean, there's more evidence of his work ethic. So if he can bring all of that to San Jose, I think that San Jose got themselves a really good general manager that is going to be empathetic. I mean, he had to, he was also in the in. Montreal for the draft because they very sadly lost Brian Marchment from the San Jose family mm-hmm. uh, way too young. And he was there eulogizing. So he's he's empathetic. He's he, he knows the the how what it takes to be a young player fighting to get a spot so he can be that. I don't know if he would be that year as a general manager, but I, I suppose he could be if you if it was really needed. It, it, I think it gives. I think it'll give him insight into more players' headspace. Yeah. Okay. You also, we see all these scouting reports, and they're you know hip deep on any player who's expected to go in the first round. But after that, they all disappear. Mm -hmm. And I think that a guy like Greer, who's had to do it the hard way, um, has a really I think that gives him a rare insight as opposed to somebody yes. who was given a scholarship and, hey, we want you to come play for our school and they get 15 offers and this and that. Yeah, they you commit know. they commit at 13 to their favorite college. and Yeah. But for somebody like Mike who had to work, work at it the hard way, I think it gives him that rare insight like you're saying. And a thousand NHL games is a thousand NHL games. He's also yep. fairly recent. Uh, I mean, he's – he left the league in 2010-11. Um, the league hasn't changed as much since he was playing as it has since one or two other guys who have been in the league and gotten to be head coaches fresh out of off of playing or even general managers fresh off of playing. And the fact that he's both coached and been in the front office um, as an advisor since – since leaving the league, um, he's yeah, he's got he's got the chops. Uh, I believe so. Do I think this? Do I think the Sharks are going to win the cup this year or next year? No, unlikely. Do I think that they're unlikely to make major flubs? Yes, I, I do not see this guy being someone who's going to screw up regularly. And I think one of his first jobs is going to be getting a head coach in there. Because if I'm not mistaken, I know that Bugner was relieved. I don't know what yes. the actual term was they used, but I don't believe they've hired a head coach yet. I, I'm, I'm 
I think that those are important, uh, or at least that's what people keep saying. Um, not that they seem to keep them very long, but they're important to have every once in a while. Well, I'm just thinking, like, you know, if you want to have that system in place. Now, granted, we just had a head coach who didn't have a system, but if you would like to have a system, <laughs> then hiring a coach is probably a good idea. Wait, you're you're not going to just go tell people go score more goals than the other guy? If that's your system, I guess I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't sound oh, like much. Oh, that's of a interesting. Doesn't sound like much of a system to me, but um, according to Dominic Tiano, HC Sel- uh, Salavat is hinting that uh, Josh Hosang will be overseas next year. No, and joining them. KHL bound. I can't blame him. Yeah, uh, neither can just I. Just can't blame him. Oh, and here it is. The Mercury News. San Jose Sharks, now with GM Mike Greer, start the coaching search five days ago. So they still haven't filled the role. I just wanted to make sure that they hadn't had a head coach. I want my information to be accurate. <laughs> So they are searching, but now Mike gets to bring in his guy. I, I'm curious to see what kind, what type of head coach he brings in. I mean, as far as the guys who, have, you know, the Claude Julians who were let go, and and or does I, he go call or does he go, you know, the college route and bring in, um, Bazin or. Maybe he grabs Dave Quinn. I think his choice is going to be most informed by what he believes is going to happen or is the value of the current roster and the current system. If he and, you know, after that, it's going to be direction from ownership. David Quinn is interesting because did you not say that Greer worked in the Rangers organization? Greer worked in the Rangers organization. So he would know David Quinn there. He also was, uh, I believe, a teammate with David Quinn at BU. Many, many years ago, yep. So, I mean, David Quinn would be the obvious consideration, but I I surely don't think that's his only one. So, it... Uh, I mean, the list of other available coaches, I don't I think Julian is probably having fun doing the international hockey right now. Um, He doesn't have to travel as much. He doesn't have to. I mean, it's 40 games a year that he has to probably work versus traveling 40 games a year plus playoffs. I don't know that Cronin's going to leave um, Colorado. I know that he, I know that he didn't come to. He, I don't even. I don't even know. Did they? In, was it Cronin from Colorado? I don't even know if they interviewed him. Did it, it, it's and Julian? Yeah, he does. He does look like a man who's enjoying the lighter schedule. The last time they showed him during the during the World Championships or whatever it was when they lost to Finland. 
he looked he he did he looked a little bit more relaxed you, you know shaking hands and everything else I, so he might not come back to the NHL but it'd be interesting to see who who Greer goes with because I'm I don't know who San Jose is. San Jose has been a team that's been kind of up in the air. I mean, you got Thomas Hurdle, you got Timo Meyer, you got some good players, you got some okay young. I mean, LeBanc, depending on how you feel about him, he's got some talent, but no. No. No no LeBanc? I don't think he's terrible. I just don't get it. The hype. Okay, fair enough. What about um, Logan? I mean, for whatever time he has left. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah, they're a team. He's approaching hockey old at this point. So, they're a team kind of in flux. They've got Carlson and Burns who are. I mean, I'm sure he was given some sort of direction by ownership when when he was hired. Okay. Uh, looking at the Sharks, I can't quite say I uh, hit the big red button for the earth-shattering kaboom, but they're certainly closer to hit the big red button for the earth-shattering kaboom than they are genuinely contending. But if you're going to do that, the first two names that are on the list – that you'd have to no move. movement clause, modified no trade clause. Oh. Oh, Burns, actually, and Burns and, Car- Burns and Carlson. <laughs> oh God, those two. Who's going to take them? I know that's what I'm saying. But they also have a no movement and a modified no trade. Was Peter Chiarelli in charge over there? No. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, just saying. Um, so for Burns, um. Submits a three-team trade list every year on July 1st, starting in September. So there's three teams he can be traded to. Three. Three. You want to bet that none of them have the cap space to take him? <laughs> well, that's a way to ensure that you don't get moved. <laughs> um, and for Eric Carlson, it's zero. Oh, they, they. For Logan Couture, three teams he would accept. It's a three-team trade list. Wow. Um, and it's a no movement clause for uh, actually it doesn't look like hurdles. No movement has actually kicked. Yes, it has uh, no movement clause at all for the first three years. Um, and then, yeah, there's. There's no doing anything. You're going to have to ride or die with those four on your roster um, and then figure out everyone Ouch. else. And I don't see a combination that makes this a serious contender. Yeah, they can be in the playoffs pretty much every season with one or two tweaks. OK, maybe seven or eight tweaks. There you go. Because. Um, that goaltending. Yikes. <laughs> um, it wouldn't be quite as bad, but... I didn't realize LeBanc was on IR. Okay. But look at the defense. Well, the defense is 
what I would call old. Mark Edward Vlasic, 35. Brent Burns, 37. Now, Carlson is 32, but... And that's younger than I thought he was, um, honestly. But Radim Simek is 29. Yeah. Uh, and you've got Jacob Menga, who is also 29. Yeah. <laughs> and then you've got two 21s, a 23, and a 24. The 23 and 24 are both RFAs right now. Saying is off to the uh, off to Europe. I can't blame him. <laughs> what else do we have on the board this week? We've covered quite a bit. Let's see. We had the Bruins. Oh, case. hey, we're not very much. We had we did have a re-signing though. Oh, go quickly. for it. Well, <clears throat> Forsberg, who we weren't sure what he was going to do down there in Nashville actually has agreed to an eight-year contract extension with the Predators at $8.5 million per year, $68 million in total. But the surprising thing is that David Poyle gave him a no-movement and a no-trade clause. They don't do that in Nashville. David Poyle's not known for his, you know, handing out no-trade clauses like candy. But yeah, full no tri- no movement for the first six years, and the final final two years, um, fifteen team no trade list. So sixteen teams at this point he can be traded to. He really until did. they bring in thirty three and thirty four. Yeah, he really did want to stay in Nashville. He wanted to to continue on with his career there. They were about half a million dollars apart, and so. It was good that they were able to pull pull it all together. I mean, this is a guy who's now the franchise leader in points. All the uh, points are goal scored. I know. I know that he missed by two days being the first forty goal scorer. Had that one swept away from him but. by a player not particularly well known for high levels of consistency. Well, there, 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 there was those times where I would draft him in, in a fantasy draft knowing that he wasn't going to show up until January. <laughs> well, no, I'm but talking the, about the guy who beat him. Oh, OK. I was going to say, because, yeah, after actually in the last couple of years, though, Philip has been putting it together early and he's actually been getting they've been getting whole seasons out of him. But. First few years of his career, he or the, or the middle few years, I guess you would say, he really would struggle in the first two months. And then some switched on in January and suddenly he was best player on the planet. At least offensively. Anyway, he holds both the record for single season goals at 42. So the man that beat him to 40 ultimately didn't get any more than one and he holds a career goals 216 so he's he's big time his number is going to be in the rafters and this extension pretty much guarantees that i would think yeah it sounds like he's going to be there for effectively the rest of his career and good for him if he's happy there and um and the fans are the fans are are obviously happy with him, and the organization's happy with him. I'm pretty sure he's a fan favorite. 
He's 27 years old. He's younger than I thought. I thought it was like 28, 29. He's 27 years old. So this will take him – this contract will take him right up to the 35-year ceiling where he then becomes a 35-pluser and signs his contracts one or two at a, one year or two at a time. So a done deal. And eight and a half is not as crazy as I thought he was going to be signing for. I thought they were – I thought they were going to have to really roll out the Brinks truck and and get him into the double double digit millions. I didn't think he was going to go for ten. He's not that consistent. Okay. Um, I but, was expecting nine. But where he was, I was going to say where he was already making six per, it wasn't going to be. I didn't think it was going to be. I thought I knew it, was going it wasn't going to be, going to be seven. I mean. But hey, eight. Eight and a half, I think, is a good number for him. Okay, what's next? Do we have? Oh, we were talking about um, redrafting 2013. I actually found on Twitter, and this is from NHL.com. Yeah. At NHL, <clears throat> and they decided to redraft the top ten positions of 2012. Now, this came out just before the final, just before the finals, before Colorado won the Stanley Cup. So yep. at number 10, originally drafted seventh, would be Matt Dumba. I at came num- up with that. At number nine, originally selected 87th, is Carolina goalie Frederick Anderson. At number eight, originally drafted 130th, is goalie Connor Hellebuck. Mm. UMass Lowell. At number seven, originally drafted 17th, is the aforementioned San Jose Shark, Thomas Hurdle. At number six, originally drafted fifth, and I think he should drop more, is Morgan Riley. At number five, now... I'm not usually one on drafting meatheads high, but this guy was originally drafted 16th overall, and they moved him up to fifth. Tom Wilson. The talent level says yes. The meathead level says no. In this draft, (laughs) which I'm not a very big fan of. Uh Uh-huh. I could do it. I probably wouldn't like if I were a GM and Tom Wilson is the best available player, I may well trade out of the position. But talent wise, I don't know if he, I don't know if he's top five talent wise. He's he's very good. If he could keep the meat headedness to a minimum, he he has the talent. I mean, I've seen him play. I've seen him score. I've seen what he can do. He has the talent. He just can't stop being a meathead. Like, I think there's some he has to do it like it's required or something. Yeah, but he's sixth in scoring overall for that draft. Okay. And he's played. I mean, Alex Galchenyuk is just ahead of him. Well, significantly. And not not in our top ten because we've only got four more to go here real quick. Um, Tivu Teravainen is ahead of him. Yep. 
Morgan and Riley, Thomas Hurdle, and Philip Forsberg. And some of those names are appearing at number four, originally selected 18th, is Tebu Teravainen. Wasn't he the Finnish Patrick Kane or something like that? Oh, yeah, that was the all we heard about for the first two seasons of his NHL career. Yes. Um, originally drafted at number three, originally drafted 120th, defenseman Jacob Slavin. I'm actually okay with that. I mean, you watch him play in Carolina, and the man is good. That was one of the sneakiest good picks in a long time in the NHL. At 120? Yeah, Jacob Slavin at 120? Yeah, that's a steal. Uh, Originally select number two, originally selected 11th overall, some guy who just got paid, Philip Forsberg. Yep. And at number one, originally selected 19th, and the reason that the NHL put this out during the playoffs, Andre Vasilevsky. It's hard to argue with that one. Uh, I mean, he did I agree. this year. I agree, considering the man has two Stanley Cups uh, under his belt. <clears throat> I can't argue it. Uh, at this point in time, you got to say he's one of, if not the best goalie on the planet. I know they used to love to say that about Carey Price, but... I mean, oh, I'm sure. I'm sure once Carey Price comes back and plays two games, uh, they'll say it again about him. I do have one question though, and then, and then we can move on from this. I have one question. Sure. When was the last time you saw not one, not two, but three goaltenders taken in the top ten picks in the NHL draft? Any? Never. And I they have three. Do not remember it ever happening. And they have three. Anderson, nine, Hellebuck, eight, and Vasilevsky at one. Three goalies in the top ten of this draft. I'm wondering if that – redrafting. I'm wondering if that doesn't say something about the talent level of the 2012 draft, that you would move three goalies. Now, granted, one of them was already there, but the other two moved up into it. Here's – let me reverse the – let me uh, tweak the question a little bit further for you. Of these 10 players, Mm -hmm. do you see a Hall of Famer? Mm, No. My answer is no. That's uh, you can make. I was trying. I was trying to make an argument for maybe Vasilevsky, but because he's got cup, he's, he's got two Stanley Cups to his name, but. Maybe. Maybe. I, I like, I like Connor Hellebuck. I really do. But eh. Philip Forsberg, as you said, the consistency thing hurts him a little bit. And the fact that I don't I don't know that he has. And he I hate to say it. He doesn't have any individual. I know that it's all about the team and it's always we never I. But. He doesn't have any individual awards that I'm aware of. Uh, I mean, no. I mean, Vasilevsky has a Conn Smythe to his name. And he has a Vesna. And he has a couple of Stanley Cup. I think you could make an argument for Vasilevsky, but that's about it. And I, I'm not even going to say it's, it's a guarantee. 
it's an argument. I don't. I wouldn't even say it's a guarantee yet. So no. And I believe we've now covered everything for the uh, for the week. That is indeed everything we have on the roster for the week. Yes, we have hit all of our points. What is the holes poll? Oh, the holes. Uh, we asked last week. Um, we were talking about the rookie of the year uh, Calder Trophy winner for next season yes. because uh, Sam Stern had tweeted out asking or stating that Sam Holt or Alex Holtz would be the Calder winner for 2022, 2023. Mm-hmm. Um, 54 votes. Um, 33% of you agreed with Sam Stern. The rest said no. <laughs> um, of the names who were tossed out as, uh, as competition, Mason McTavish, Maddie Berniers. Um, I've already said that I think Maddie Berniers is going to be rookie of the year. And. But there's going to be, I think there's going to be more than one. This is, I think this is going to be. I think this is going to be a challenging year. I think there's going to be more than one that they'd have to consider. I think this is going to be a fun year to watch the rookie race, particularly if they pre- if the press actually gives it any attention and tracks more than two rookies, which would be a first in a long time. And now that um, we've got the poll answer, I'd have to say that I agree with the nose. I don't think Alec Holtz is going to be winning the Calder Trophy. If you're sure. I'm pretty and sure. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is where we leave you. Have an awesome week. Um, I'll be at Dev Camp uh, Monday, Friday, Tuesday, and I will try and sneak in for Wednesday and Thursday as well. I'll probably be running around with a camera at least one or two of those days. Okay, why not just say every day? <laughs> uh, I may have a conflict Wednesday and Thursday. I'm gonna try to. I'm gonna try to make it as well. Uh, I have uh, other issues that might prevent me from making it more than a day or two, but I'm going to try my best to make it a couple of days. Have a great week.